This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Successful to Significant, the podcast that brings you insightful conversations with thought leaders who have discovered the secret of going beyond success to create significance in their life. Join your host, Dr. Lee McBride Nesbitt, as she and her guests help you build your own legacy and prosperity through mission-driven experiences and entrepreneurship. Now here is your host, Dr. Lee McBride Nesbitt. Greetings, good folks. Welcome to From Successful to Significant, where success is optimal. Today, we have a treat, friends. Really, we do. We have bio-environmental engineer, retired military veteran, presidential award, serial entrepreneur, mother, wife, bonus mom, and friends to so many. We have Katrina Williams, the hope dealer, thank you so much it's so good to (laughs) thank you for that Mm, wow thank you thank you for your introduction it almost makes me feel like i'm somebody (laughs) you are somebody you are the thank you i appreciate it (laughs) yes katrina i really want to thank you for helping me to kick start this uh military series here um i think it's really important for us to focus on them first and i want to focus on them first because first i was a soldier so what i'd like for you to do katrina is talk to us a little bit share your bio with me give us some key points of who miss katrina williams is Okay, well, thank you. Um, let's let me start with who I am. I'm Katrina Williams, as you already mentioned. Um, I'm recently retired from the Air Force. Um, in my Air Force career, I did I get I did get the opportunity to do about three different career fields. Um, the first one was personnel, which is more like human resources, which I really took a lot of pride in, because I, you know, if they're out there fighting for us, we want to make sure that their pay is right, their records are right, their children and spouses are updated correctly. So I really took a lot of pride in that job because I got to help a lot of people, and it didn't matter what your rank was. Um, my second career field was bioenvironmental engineering, and that is what I still do now as an occupation. Um, bioenvironmental engineering is pretty much um, like OSHA, EPA, and any type of regulatory agency that a civilian sector would have to follow. We follow a different set of rules in the military, but we still have a responsibility to take care of our people, especially if they're in hazardous or harmful environments. Um, So we don't want them bringing anything home, uh, chromium or lead or dust or anything like that. So we definitely want to take care of them and make sure that they're staying safe. Um, So bioenvironmental is my baby that is close to my heart because it's science and I love science. Um, And then the, uh, about two years before I retired, I got to do a special duty, which was called protocol. And in protocol, I got to be around all of the big wigs and I got to basically rub shoulders with the vice president of the United States. I got to be with the secretary of defense, you name it, if they were at the top of the chain, um, I took care of them if they came to our state or to our installation. So I got, that was really an honor to do that as a special duty. And I did that for about a year. So uh, I got to do three different career fields and I got to take care of people and, and the Air Force took care of me. So 
Uh, thank you for that question. Wow, that was a lot. Three different career fields. Wow. <laughs> Not many can say that. Katrina, could you share with me, you know, you, you've told us what it was that you did while you served in the military. Could you share with me uh, what, what helped you get to the military? What was it oh. that got you there? Mm -hmm. Um, hmm, that is an interesting question. Well, when I graduated high school, I really was thinking to myself, I'm never going to college. I'm going to be a hairdresser. Um, and that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to make as much money as a doctor being a hairdresser. I'm going to create my own products. So I'm going to do my thing. And uh, I was young, of course, 18 through 22. I was doing my own thing. I was an entrepreneur. Um, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it was I was working for myself. Um, but then when I worked in the shop amongst a lot of different women, um, women in their later ages in life um, who had to come to work every day, no matter what, if their hip was hurting or their back was hurting or arm was hurting, they had to be there. And I thought at 19 and 20 that if this is going to be my career, I don't want to have to come to work when I'm sick. I don't want to have to come to work when I'm hurting. So I said, I need some insurance. I need a second. I need a secondary way of life to um, so that when I am 60, if I don't want to come to work for two weeks, I will be okay. So I said, well, I have no discipline because I made lots of money doing hair. I said, I have no discipline whatsoever. And I think the only way I'm going to get discipline is if I join the military. So it was like an idea on the whim, on a whim. And I said, I'm going to join the military and I'm going to learn how to manage my money and I'm going to get insurance. So if my back hurts, I don't have to come to work. So that was my plan. I was going to come to the military and do four quick years, clean my credit, um, get some insurance and learn discipline. I was going to do that in four years and I was going to get back out and be the world's greatest hairstylist. Uh, but needless to say, four years turned into 12, 12 turned into 16. And, you know, here we go. So it was on a whim, um, a little, I got a little uh, funny story. Well, it's not really funny, um, but it's maybe more patriotic. I have a patriotic story. So um, I was 20, um, I was 21, actually. I turned 21 on 9-11 or 9-10, the day before 9-11. I was turning 21. And of course I was still doing hair and something said, you better hurry up and join the military. Now you got to do something with yourself. You're grown now, you're 21. So um, that night I had made the decision, but the next morning, which was that significant event that happened in America, that 9-11, and that morning, I'm not gonna lie, it, it kind of scared me to death. I was like, well, I went to sleep thinking I'm joining the military, but I think I'm gonna second, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold back on that. But the calling inside of me was so strong I didn't care that we were about to go to war. I said, I'm joining. And I joined right in the middle of the, the kickoff of war. So that, well, that's a patriotic story, I guess. <laughs> and you didn't live to regret that. So how wonderful is that? Yeah, right? <laughs> it was the best decision of my life, actually. Wow. So Katrina, you talked to me about your successes and, you know, how significant your, your career was as a soldier. Can you talk to me about your career as a civilian? Okay. Okay. So this is, again, I told you I was an entrepreneur before I joined the military for about from 19 to 22. Um, and now becoming a civilian again in my 40s. Um, is a little bit different. Um, actually, it's very different. It took a little bit for me to to um, get used to not having so much to do. So much, you know, in the military, everything is critical. You have to go to PT. You have to be on time. You have to. You have to do so many things um, because they were critical, and they were critical to our nation in the military. But then when I got out, it turned into 
everything's slow, everything's easy, no one's in a rush. And to be honest with you, I don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think uh, my first few months um, being, my first few months being a civilian, I was trying to balance nothing is an emergency with, okay, well maybe you can make it a little bit of an emergency, but it's really not an emergency out here. You will get talked about with that living like that in the civilian sector and going to work and making everybody feel like they're on their on pins and needles. So it's an adjustment uh, to get used to uh, being a civilian again under the mindset that I had to use in the military. Oh, I heard you say that there's two different mindsets and out here as a civilian, we just move a little slower and you had to be able to adjust to that. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Tell me, how did you adjust? Um, well, I had to break down. Process? Say that again. I had to break down. I had to break down. I had to reprogram. <laughs> it was, I, I mean, I think I went to sleep crying many nights. Like I, like I just, something's wrong. There's gotta be something wrong, you know? And then it took my husband to tell me you're stressing right now, but do you have to go to work tomorrow? No. Well, that's a good problem to have. And I was like, you're right. I don't have to go to work tomorrow, actually. <laughs> but it took, because I, I, I just had to break down, like, it's okay to not be in a rush. It is okay to not have things on the agenda from 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. It is okay to say, I'm going to lay down and watch Netflix for two days in a row. It, that is totally okay. But in my mind at first, I thought, I'm going to turn into a dirtbag. I'm going to gain 600 pounds. I'm going to, I'm going to, my life is going to be worthless. I'm going to lose everything the military taught me. I just thought like I was going to go to waste, but it's okay. Go to waste. <laughs> but you're okay. <laughs> Katrina, could you tell Absolutely. me, talk to me about your fears. You know, I want other individuals that's in the military to understand the transition you know, process. Can you talk to me a little about your fears before you, you know, got completely out of the military? What was your thought process about what, what, what your transition was going to be like? What were your fears? You know what, that's a very good question. And it really ties well into, um, what is it, success to significance. Yeah. So my fear was that I wasn't gonna be significant anymore because being in the military was my coat of armor. That is like how I cloaked myself. That is, I took pride in, I, I became comfortable with that persona, with that image, with, I was just one with the military at one point. So then when you retire, you're not military anymore. So my fear was, wow, I become average. I hate to say that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I, now I enjoy being average. Uh, but um, in the military, we were so, you, you were best of the best. That's how you ran your life. Like I, everything I have to do has to be excellence and I have to be in the running with the best of the best. But when you get out of the military and you're new to a job, you're yes. just a new person that came into the building. Uh, so they don't know your accomplishments. They don't know. You're, you're like a little fish in a big pond and you don't come in here making waves. So um, my fear was being insignificant. And then another fear was, um, um, another fear was, knowing that I had to grow up and actually take care of myself. Mm. Because even though we were in the military and we were high ranking or, or mid middle rank junior NCOs, we were the responsible people. 
But then when you get out of the military and you're in the civilian world again, these civilians, they know what they're doing. They've been doing it just as long as you were in the military. So you got to take a seat back sometimes and be that airman again or that young soldier again and learn the civilian way of operating. So I think that was a fear as well, like not being a leader anymore or not being seen as a leader. So yeah, so I, I think I've, I'm overcoming it. I haven't overcame it completely, but I'm overcoming, so. Okay, I like that. I do, Katrina, I like that. So you've talked to me so far about uh, life in the military, life as a civilian, you know, you, you define success and significant as it relates to, you know, your experiences, you talk about your fears. See, that is wonderful. I would like for you to tell me the story of why people consider you the hope dealer. What makes it a hope dealer? <laughs> well, so I, I love that term. I really do. I think it just touches my heart because although, you know, things are looking up and I'm happy with the life that I've created and that God, you know, I'm happy with the life God has allowed me to create. I've seen some very, very dark days and some very, very dark times in the beginning. And um, those dark days, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it, it, nothing but hope got me through because I didn't, I didn't see anything around me that resembled it's gonna get better, that this is, you know, that this is just, the, this is temporary. Like it's not temporary when you go through something from the time you're born to the time you're almost an adult, that seems like eternity. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think the term hope dealer kind of comes from you can come from some very, very dark days and end up in a bright and sunny and have a bright and sunny future at the end of it. So, yes. That bright and sunny future. So tell me, how do you push hope as a hope dealer? Tell me how you push hope. Um, so it's about belief. It is about what you believe, right? So what you believe you don't necessarily have to see you don't it, it doesn't have to be standing in front of you kind of like a relationship with god like i've never seen him before but i believe i believe so much that i could draw him on paper if i needed to you know so i think that part of being a hope dealer has to do with that ability to to believe that ability to have an imagination the ability to um and to, to be able to persevere and smile, you know, because yeah. a lot of us, we, we get through, but we look like we've been through, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, some people at the end of the journey, you're like, yeah, you like really did beat you down, didn't it? You know, but, and I'm, I'm not knocking them because it happens like that. But at some point, I feel like the hope comes from seeing others smile at the end of the race, like. Ooh, yeah, she went through a whole lot, but she still got a smile on her face right now. So apparently there was some work that was done to get there, but that sun at the end of the tunnel, it's, it's worth it. So I can look forward to it and with a smile, with, 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 with happiness and everything. So I think the hope, so hope has to do with finding happiness. Okay. Here we go. That's how I push it. That's <laughs> <laughs> You know that I'm all about legacy and um, building that for individuals, um, mission-driven work. Um, and what I'd like to ask you is, what is your perspective when it comes to, to, to legacy? Talk to me about legacy. 
that it's so I kind of wrote some notes okay. on that you question. You can't really okay. say it because I think I'm still developing. Um, I think that I'm still rewriting or redeveloping my definition of legacy because okay. you know most of the, most of the time I think we tie legacy to something successful or something good or you know Grandpa was in the war and he you know you think when you think legacy that's usually what you think of the good things but um, I recently had a death in the family and um, rest rest God bless you know and but it makes you think so you can leave a legacy that's not good. You can, you and, can do that. And I'm not, yeah, so I'm like, wow, legacy is just not reserved for success. It Sometimes you can have a legacy of failure or or, or, or not even failure, just ne I never got around to it, legacy, you know? No, so, in my, so I'm like, you know what? I gotta keep playing with this stuff. Like I gotta keep, I gotta find a way to make it mean something in my heart. And one of the things that means something in my heart is you, you can, all of us are leaving, leaving a legacy. Yeah. You determine what kind of legacy you, you want to leave. And I was like, okay, okay. So, so I'm building a legacy because I had a conversation with a, a significant um, person and we, we went back and forth about legacy and what that meant. And do you speak it? Like when you're building a legacy, do you say I'm building a legacy or do you just let the legacy build itself for you and we were both kind of going both you know we were going back and forth with it and I think that I've come to a conclusion that it's okay to say I'm building a legacy it's okay to say I want my legacy to be about financial prosperity and I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that this becomes part of my legacy or I want my legacy to be about education so I'm gonna continue to go to school and learn and grow and I can also say I want my legacy to be about being a great mom you know, because it doesn't wow. always have to be money or, you know, education. Or it don't always have to be those external things. It could be internal things like, okay, every day at five o'clock, I'm going to put this, I'm going to have food on the table every day at five o'clock. To me, you can build a legacy that way as well. And your children will still carry that on. Your daughter might say, you know what? My mom had dinner on the table every day at five o'clock. My, my mom made biscuits this way every Sunday. And I'm going to do that same thing. So that could even be a legacy. So I think I'm softening my definition of legacy. It doesn't mean I got five, you know, purple hearts, you know. <laughs> but I'm kind of trying to define it in a way that means something to me. And I think that that, that helps me, you know, feel significant in a way because if you keep thinking of legacy and you look around you like I don't I'm not I don't have that I'm not Oprah Winfrey I'm not you know if you keep looking externally you think you'll never build a legacy but if you look internally and what's happening in your circle of influence you're building a legacy right there so yeah my, my term is kind of flexible <laughs> Now, now it is. Yeah. <laughs> she said, now it is. I like that. I like that you had the conversation that you guys had been talking about that. And, and, and now, you know, for you, it means, I think I heard you say education and, and being a wonderful mother, um, having these traditions that your daughters are going to, your daughter, your son, your family, your bonus kids, that yes. everyone's going to remember. They're going to have wonderful memories. That's what they're going to have. And I also heard you say financial prosperity. That is yes. so wonderful. Because you said uh, financial prosperity, uh, can you talk to me about being a serial entrepreneur? Yes. Um, 
I think I've, I got more passion <laughs> inside of me to make these things happen than I have resources around me. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm, I'm on a journey to find those resources and, and long lasting resources. I want resources that don't run out, you know, because times got a little hard, but resources that are going to be lasting. So that's my part of my goal in my entrepreneurship journey is to just secure resources and, and um, get buy on from people that are around me who, you know, saw me as one thing, you know, the, you know, cause I wear a lot of hats. Maybe I'm the person who you call to pick you up or make you laugh. Or maybe I'm the person you call if you got, you know, you got relationship problems, but like, as I'm developing entre my, my, you know, portfolio and entrepreneurship, yes. <laughs> I want to, I want to do it right. You know? So, um, part of doing it right is, securing having your finances in order i believe that your finances say how you manage your finances and how you manage resources say a lot about your character so it's one in the same you know so for me um i do want to have a legacy of of financial literacy i want to have a legacy of financial um education like i just I want to, I, I just want to prepare my, my kids and anybody that's around me the best way that they, I can. And again, managing my finances today are what makes that possible. Um, and as far as my businesses go, uh, right now, I'm not doing transactions per se, financial transactions right now. I'm more in the process of building my strategic plans and building my teams and getting all the things that happen under the scene. And then I'll be Maybe the next time we have a podcast, I'll be able to tell you how I worked on my financial, uh, my, how I made all my financial goals come true. I'm glad that you talked about the journey, you know, because lots of individuals want to jump into, you know, entrepreneurship and think that, you know, immediately you're going to generate dollars. And it just takes so much before that first dollar is earned you know, for you to make the other dollars for you to make the long dollars it takes lots yes. of place to make that first dollar so i'm glad that you talked yes. about the, the journey and the strategic planning that comes along with that yes mm -hmm. you talked to me about legacy i love that you talked to me about being a serial entrepreneur um wow talk to me about mission-driven work okay mission driven experiences or mission driven entrepreneurships because it seems like some of the things that you do no it seems like everything that i've heard come from you is based on maybe your personal mission so could you talk to me about mission driven work yes and i want to go let me touch back on the last question real quick because i didn't even put a plug in for my business so <laughs> <laughs> so I um, started a company called A Better Way Transition Homes, LLC, and then also a sister um, nonprofit organization. Same name. One's a business. One is nonprofit. So the mission of um, A Better Way Transition Homes is to basically target homelessness. We are trying to help the DOD and the government get down to 0% homelessness. Um, and my company, we are putting duplexes and we are trying to um, house about eight families. We're not going to be able to cure it. At, my company won't be able to cure it as a whole, but I can help with that goal that we have uh, in the United States. Um, in Arkansas, we are trying. So my business is um, owned and operated um, in Arkansas, in Little Rock, Arkansas. We've secured a little bit of land and some property, and we are trying to um, 
help our community out by helping our sisters and brothers in the community who have made a wrong turn somewhere, um, went to prison specifically, um, and are coming back home and trying to get back on their feet and try to make better choices that are going to one, keep them from going back to prison, but two, help them become an asset and define their worth in the community. Because a lot of times people think that they're worthless. You know, if you don't have hope, you do feel worse. If you don't have hope and you don't have, you don't see certain things around you. Sometimes it's, you know, your creativity is gone. So you don't, you can't even define who you are because you don't even have creativity. All you know is I'm broke. My mama's, you know, on dope. Um, and everybody around me broke. Nobody's getting education. Everybody going to jail. So, you know, and, and that's not all of America, but that is definitely an issue, a real issue in the Black community um, and Latino. But um, so I, I've seen my share of it. In fact, I lived in those kind of situations, even been to jail. But I'm a better person now. So, uh, and that's a whole nother story. Yes. But because that's I, why I relate with that community because I've been there and I've done that. And the only thing that saved me is my imagination and my hope. So with our transition homes, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna have us a multi-purpose room and we're gonna be providing all kinds of education about financial literacy. Yes, uh, budgeting, th that is definitely important. You cannot go and buy Michael Kors when you owe for a ticket. The ticket in the Michael Kors costs the same price. What you gonna do, you know? So uh, <laughs> we're gonna be teaching real life um, um, practical um, material that's gonna help people see where they are. You know, not necessarily, we're not trying to make people millionaires or make them rich, but if you can make a good decision today, at least tomorrow will be a little bit better. So um, part, that's part of my mission-driven uh, work that I like to do. I just want to see people, I want to see people live better and living better don't, like I said, don't always mean a million dollars, but it definitely, living better at least knows I won't be going back to prison for this same thing because I've learned my lesson. Um, another good thing we're trying to do with our mission-driven work is, um, uh, so my community, my demographic of people I'm helping are specifically families. So if it's a mother with children or a father with children um, or auntie, long as you have custody of those children, if you find yourself in a homeless situation, you're welcome at our, I mean, a better way transition homes. Um, so we're taking a multi-generational approach. So whatever we're teaching you, the individual that needs the help, in our multicultural center, we're gonna have someone there talking to your children because we want your children to see good things that you you know, are making better decisions and doing good things and, and then to see the benefit of those good things. So it's a multi-generational approach and I, I just, the more the better. So that's part of my mission, mission work. I love that mission work. When you spoke about your mission work, I heard you speak a lot about finances, finances, finances. What qualifies you, uh, Katrina Williams, to be able to provide these individuals with uh, financial literacy, you know, fi financial success, financial freedom? What qualifies you to be able to do this? That is a great question. So if you can see on the wall back okay. here, there. <laughs> it was see so I am a Webster University graduate. I did graduate with my MBA and my Master of Finance. So 
Um, I didn't want to be another person that did not use their degree. You know, I, I want to be able to tie my degree in with my military experience, with my hard work and tie it all in together. So uh, my degrees, I feel like they qualify me. And then, of course, I'm going to be reaching out to partners in the community. And we're going to we're going to we, we're about to rock the community. Basically, it's going to be a team effort. So the whole deal is going to be rocking it. That's the, the hope dealer is going to be rocking it. What you need? You need some hope? I got you. You got five minutes? That's how you pay with your time. That's what, That's how you buy this hope. With your time. <laughs> with your time. With your time. Wow. Miss Katrina, I've been doing a lot of work with, uh, with women. Um, and, you know, I say that I work with high achieving, smart, conscious women, and I've been doing a lot of work with them. And it seems as though individuals are a little unsure whether or not, you know, whether they are high achieving, whether they are smart, whether they are conscious. Um, can you talk to me about what it means to you when someone says high achieving? Wow. Um... So, I want to say this first, like, even though I've, you know, had a lot of experience and a lot of successes, I, I learned in the military that that was yesterday. Mm. What you going to do today? That, okay, you got your degree. That was yesterday. What's popping today? All right. So you won the Air, Air Force Air, Outstanding Airman of the Year yesterday what you got popping this year, right? So you never get caught up in any of your successes of the past. So because I've, like, I know that I'm under that mindset because of the military and the military only, because there are a lot of people who got, who, who got these degrees and they celebrating today, tomorrow, next week, next month, five years from now, they st the party's still hot, you know? But for party. me... You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's okay. I think that, I, I do think that that's okay. So for me, high achieving is a little, you know, it means what you, what you, what you doing today? You know, what, what's new? What are you still, what are you brewing? What are you like, that's high achieving. High achieving to me is not sitting on yesterday's accomplishments. Mm. I'm not taking that away. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I don't want to take that away from anybody because you don't know what people went through to get that associates, right. that bachelor's, that master's, right. that doctorate. You don't know what they went through. They might need to celebrate for 10 years because of what they went through to get there. But for me, Katrina, it's always, okay, you did that. What's next? You're only as good as your last accomplishment, you know? So what's next, you know? And I, in a way, right, that in a way there's some negative to that right because at some point at, at one point when are you going to be happy you know and i'm actually happy i could stop today but i feel like god gave me so much energy and so much you know um passion i ain't ready to stop you know <laughs> so for me that's what high achieving means to me it's What's next? What we doing tomorrow? What we doing? What we doing? If you still talking about what happened five years ago, you in the past, you know? <laughs> so let's move forward. Let's move forward. What's next? Let's do the work. Sound like a lot of your work. Yeah, hard. so a lot of high achieving to me is discovering, developing, researching, 
just moving. It's action. It's not sitting still. And yeah, you know, I got a degree five years ago, but I'm that that's what makes me special. No. <laughs> action and moving. Action and moving. Action and moving. Yeah. So well, I hope I answered the question. You, you know, did. That's you did. Weird way of you, answered it, you answered it so well. I have another one for you. Can you tell okay. me what it means to be a smart, conscious woman? Ooh. 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 Smart and conscious at the same time. Two different right. terms. So, so smart and conscious has very little to do with... Um, with degrees, with education. I think that the smart and conscious, smart and conscious has something to do with life experiences and what you've made out of, what you've made out of them and being able to understand everybody's not in your situation. So if I'm trying to, like my story, like for me, I feel like, okay, you came out the gutter and you came out of this and you came out of that. So my swag, as the young people say, is over here. Then you got people who've never experienced that, but they're just as ambitious and, and, and achieving things and trying to make things happen just like you. So a part of consciousness is being able to relate to, you know, like, I, I want to I sit at the table with the Michelle Obamas who've been Ivy educated their whole life and, and not feel different. You know, like, okay, we all got the same mission, even though we came from different, uh, how we got to this mountaintop is different. Some came from the left, the right, the north, the south, but we all coming to this point right here. So to me, I think that consciousness is being conscious of everybody around you. So, you know, when you are on your mission to bring people in and to take care of people, you're not singling people out you know you know what i don't want to run people off with my roughness you know at some point i got to be able to yes how are you okay well okay so you soft. no one's ever yelled at you before okay um so <laughs> i want to meet them where they are yeah i want to be conscious and meet people where they are i like that i like that <laughs> katrina i got one last question for you and no i don't want to stop <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has been so much fun with you. So my last question is, uh, what can you share with our listeners that may be inspirational for them, um, that may inspire them to want to be a hope dealer, that may inspire them to want to push hope? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when you say hope, hope makes a person smile. So <laughs> the word hope should generate a smile. So, um, but that's the first thing that happened because I was listening intently. And as soon as you said hope, I was like, you know, <laughs> so um, if, if I could tell anyone anything, it, it is going to be to have hope and have hope with high expectations. It's okay to have high expectations. That way, if you don't meet that expectation, you still, if you don't hit the ceiling, you still up there at the base somewhere, you know? So I guess I would encourage people to have hope, have the expectation that good things can happen, that, that you can still be happy. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've seen, what kind of life you've lived, what your parents done, whoever done to you. Um, you can live a life that is happy and hopeful and successful in spite of. So that's what I would push. Just, that's what I would push. That's what I would push. 
Wow, Katrina, I hate that our time has ended. It's coming to an end here. Wow, this has been wonderful. I believe not only military individuals are going to benefit from this, I believe we're all, we're all gonna benefit from this. And I thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to say before I say bye-bye? I just wanna thank you for this opportunity. Um, I know that I've been knowing you now for almost almost a decade. Yes, Wait a minute, decade is 10 years, right? Let's make sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've been knowing you for almost a decade. And to be honest with you, you've always been consistent. And I think that um, that is something for us all to appreciate. And then that's something for us all to take in and put in our toolboxes because like we were talking one day, um, consistency and commitment is what makes the legacy. If I quit at the halfway mark, then it was all for nothing. So thank you for your consistency. Um, thank you for your empowerment, like you always building us up. Thank you just for everything. Thank you for this platform. I, 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 I just, I get it. I get excited when I think about the impact, but at the same time, it, none of this would be if it wasn't for people like you, uh, recognizing people like us. And I, I just thank you, so. And I thank you. You're welcome. And I thank you for being here today. Until next time, talk to you later, Katrina. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>
Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.